When you have election news in one of the tightest United States races ever, and all anyone wants to talk about is your sweet timbers lanyard, <laughs> it's not so MLS. A North American soccer podcast with myself, Andrew Bates, and Nick Thornton. I oh, your opening lines always. I'm like, it might take me, it might take you a minute to get there, but always delivers. I'm like, where is this going? This, I, you sounded like this was gonna be funny, and so far it's just kind of a bummer. Oh, there it is. There it is. There it is. Who? It is I'm, decision stand, day elsewhere. It's it's the yeah the the decision day. Is decision week, uh, both in MLS and uh, in the Western democracy. Here, uh, I stand fully as a as a Whitecaps fan who lived in Toronto for two years and now lives in the Maritimes, which I guess you could kind of construe as either Impact territory or New England Rams territory. I am in full solidarity with Fulton County Election Director Richard Barron who popped up in our uh, 28, seemingly, of, of the U.S. election, wearing in all anybody, as soon it popped right up on, t- on Twitter, everybody's like, what's going on with this Timbers lanyard? I wonder where he's from. got. Love it. What is he doing? What is he doing down there in Atlanta? I, I fully, as a, I, I fully, um, have the solidarity for being in the in the in a mis- misplaced in market. Uh, he's from the Oregon coast, apparently, and, and started watching the Timbers when they uh, entered the league in 2011. Um, you got to support your club. Uh, absolutely, he said. He said he tried when Atlanta started. He went to like he he went to. I think he said he got season tickets, but it never took with him. He 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 couldn't do it. Did he get season um, tickets this year? Because I have a theory as to why it didn't stick. <laughs> his his quotes, you know, I wear it all the time, so I don't think anything of it. I don't have any social media anymore, so my brother sent me that. It was I thought it was hilarious, and then Merritt Paulson started getting into it after Ariel Castillo asked what the Castillo asked what's the deal with this guy. Uh, it got more and more funny through the night. It blew up into something I just never imagined. When I talked to Jeffrey Stiles, who's one of the vice presidents of the Atlanta Hawks, since we've been wearing using State Farm Arena for a lot of election stuff, I told him about it. And he goes, "I'll get you a Hawks lanyard. You got to take that thing off." <laughs> he gave it to me, and I just stuck it in my pocket. <laughs> Love it. If you if you were a journalist and you're going to go cover election night, you are looking at the clothes that you're going to wear to wear neutral colors, right? Like, like. It, of course, in in Canada, there are many different parties that have many different colors attached to them. But, but you know, just consider it, you're gonna go you're gonna tw- go light on the the blue and red patterns. Exactly. So I love that that he has a very neutral thing, except this one eye catching thing that that ninety nine percent of people probably would not have thought of. But every soccer fan just goes, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Those quotes come from the athletic. That was uh, that was that was a nice little bit of that was a nice little bit of levity in what has been a tense decision week. 
Absolutely. Which, and, and we should say, as we're recording, I mean, not that it should be any surprise in an election that just continues to drag on, but they're still counting votes as we uh, record. So if something happens, I mean, you'll hear about it before this podcast comes out. <laughs> but we may do a little live reaction if, if something moves this is, one way this or the has other. Been so, and it's like, you know, any day this week has kind of been like that. It's just to think like... We are know, deep into stoppage time, time and <laughs> Nevada's trying to figure out who its fifth sub is. It says 150 minutes on the clock and nobody knows how that's ever happened. Yeah. Um, the... Uh, it's been an interesting uh, couple of match days, and in, in, um, I think that one of the things that has really rocked everything is is as MLS's regular season draws to a close, is continuing effects of COVID nineteen. Um, LAFC and uh, the San Jose Earthquakes had a game postponed. Yeah. Um, and Colorado, who had six postponed, basically the league. Mm-hmm. Um, made its final ruling. Those games that those games were not going to be replayed. So the the points the the I understand that it was in the rules the rules the whole time. The switch from points to points per game um yeah. took a took effect at that point. Um, <laughs> and it's funny. There's no uh, there's no aggrievedness as we'll talk about for me on the white cap side, but it's funny to me that it stands to basically mostly affect the white caps. Well, I mean, in some ways, yes. Until yesterday, in which case, it sort of has just made it a moot point. Like there's, <laughs> there's because Colorado passed Colorado passed us on points. Is that what? I'm... Yeah. Right. So. Well, I mean, that could have given them a bit of energy, who knows? And of course, I mean, the fact that they fa- played five fewer games than everyone else certainly suggests that they had to go to some other format, and it's definitely unbalanced. I mean, part of the reason why, well, all of the reason why Colorado couldn't play those matches is because of COVID within the team. So it's not like they were just sitting relaxing or running a bunch of drills and getting ready for when they could play soccer again. It was obviously uh, a lot they had to deal with. For sure. I think that one of the things that um, continues to be really frustrating about the process is that, like, you know, we were just talking about you know, MLS's wacky weirdness. It's funny when you think about those quotes in 96 about trying to use points per game to, to award the supporter shield in an unbalanced format. Yeah. Ultimately, the league, uh, the league does what it, it will do. And you're right, now that I'm looking at it, is that it pretty much, unless, yeah, I, I, the, I assume here that the Caps are, unless they, unless they could pull out a result and, and the Rapids don't manage to do similar, uh, there probably won't be any major inversions where anybody in any of the in any of the playoff spots, does finish above a team um, that has fewer that has more points than it. I don't think that that'll happen. Yeah. But, well, and and with San Jose winning as well, um, yeah. If, if oh, it, Colorado! Colorado will finish higher than San Jose with five fewer points. But I mean, they both go in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, in, it, in, in this is the thing that ultimately, as a as a Whitecaps fan, I feel is that. 
I think we can, I think it's fair to say that like it's not like our trajectory was cut short. Like w- we were only ever going to make it in through you know a minor miracle or a major turnaround and that's just never materialized. So for where the team has performed this year, I feel like it's you know Colorado and San Jose have proven that they can hang on and get more results. Um which is not a thing I th- would I thought I would be saying about San Jose at this point in the year, but the you know the two teams that really turned around made a difference, and the Whitecaps were only able to do that for a couple of games. So it it doesn't feel like a major injustice. Is it completely fair? No. Does it matter? Not really. Yeah. the The only reason why there were more playoff spots in the first place was to account for how topsy turvy this was all going to be. So so it's like the Whitecaps are either out in the situation in, in which we found ourselves or the white caps are way more out because there are only six playoff spots in the last. Yeah. There's no part like, of me that thinks like, ah, if only all the games had been played with all the teams and we had a normal playoff structure, the white caps would have made it in. Right. Like this, this, is, this was our best shot and we still pooched it. This is easy mode. Yeah. But the, the one thing that I want to say before we get to games and sort of the, the talking points of it, um, is that it is odd to me because of the the um, the beautiful rush of blood to the head that is narratives closing up at the end of the season in terms of teams making the playoffs or not making the playoffs. Yeah, that um, like Sporting Kansas City apparently had a case of COVID reported today. Uh, LAFC played their game against earthquakes, but they did it, I think, missing a number of players. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at USL, right? USL were supposed to play their championship final on Sunday. Right. Um, and then there were uh, cases, I, I want to say off the top, I don't have it in front of me, but I want to say off the top, I had two staff members with three players yeah. um, in the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Mm-hmm. Um, they had to uh, They had to cancel that final between the Tampa Bay Rowdies and Phoenix Rising. And they canceled the League One final as well mm-hmm. because of COVID concerns related to that. The funny side note is that there was slightly, when they were trying to decide whether or not uh, or, or what to do with the USL championship trophy and who to award it to, the higher seed between the two teams is Phoenix Rising because of the 3 nothing. <laughs> forfeit from San Diego Loyal. That is not what they're going to do. They It was reported by The Athletic that they were very not wanting to do that. Yeah. So there is there is no champion. They're awarding Reno the regular season championship and each team the conference championship. And that will be what they do the most of that. But the point that I made on Twitter when this happened was, why does MLS think it is exempt from that happening? Yeah, yeah. As things continue to to worsen, I mean, I think we've gotten into a rhythm, especially with so many MLS games and this incredibly condensed, packed schedule, that everything is just continuing on as normal. And then obviously we've seen with a number of teams it it hasn't. And um, I think you also made the comment about, like, without playing this in a bubble, how do we think we're going to avoid this? And so you can well imagine in a number of weeks being in a position where there's a final or a knockout of an important game to be played 
and it's canceled due to COVID. And because of the timelines, like, what do you do? Do you just <laughs> say, okay, both of those teams are out? Um, do you try to reschedule even though, like, how do you, you basically would have to pause everything? Like, it just, it, it's hard to feel a lot of, like, sympathy towards a situation that was like, well, this is what we could have always been heading into. Yeah, and I feel really bad for, I feel really bad for, uh, Rowdy's teams who made a, a tremendous run to the final. Uh, and, you know, they're always having a great time on Twitter. I uh, love those folks. And, 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 and I also feel bad for the, like, feel bad for the players, and I hope that the players get better and stuff. And it's just, it's just, I don't, this, a bubble tournament was the safe way to do it, and leagues just stopped doing it yeah. because they didn't feel like, like, and, and ultimately you look at the, if you broaden your, scope to other North American sports leagues. The yes, the World Series played in a bubble tournament final. Right? Like that's that's yeah. the the and NBA then, never and, broke out of the bubble. Yeah. The NHL never broke out of the bubble. Yeah. Well and and especially like watching some of these games, seeing lots of fans in the crowd and there really being no discernible social distancing between those pockets of people, although the stadiums are at less capacity. You just like Oh boy! It... <laughs> except, except for San Jose, true. San Jose, the San Jose, the gods with their their like this was this was uh, on on the U.S. election night on the third there when Biden is trying to talk to his car parade and everybody is having, you know, everybody is having an aesthetic reaction to to everybody honking their horns as he talks. It's like I've watched I watch earthquakes home games. I'm very accustomed to this. <laughs> Oh man, but it was it was a interesting couple of weeks. There's a, a ton of games played. Um, for me, overall, I've kind of felt like the major theme has been everybody is bone tired. There's tons of injuries. There's a lot of uncertainty, and there's very few teams that have emerged as being able to consistently perform and consistently show up. So. A major theme, we're not going to discuss every single game that happened between now and the, the last episode we did, but for me, the major theme is there's a lot of teams, I think most teams played three games um, in the last couple of weeks, and most teams won one, lost one, <laughs> or drew one in some combination. <laughs> Very few teams got more than two wins, so it... I mean, but definitely some more playoff spots were clinched and things moved ahead. Uh, well, there was also uh, another coach firing. Thought you would get to the <laughs> the tournament without another coach losing his job. Uh, apparently not. This is, you know, the tenets of chill soccer, chill soccer, chill soccer, chill soccer. That it's tough to judge. Uh, it, it, it's tough to judge things based on pandemic results. In the more that you see. Um, DC United perk up the worse you feel for Ben Olsen I yeah. feel a little bit but you with Guillermo Spero Shalato um being fired from LA Galaxy as the team sits uh one point off of the the foot of the Western Conference table that's that's not what they want out of their you know there's there's a higher expectation I think that mm -hmm. you can kind of maybe look at LA Galaxy if you look at the defensive struggles that they have had, 
um, with the forty-three conceded goals. The that is a little bit. I mean, that's down to a coach, but that's also been LA's problem the whole time. I mean, um, yeah, for for the last three or four years. I think that the general the vibe on on GBS is that he is not impressed, but you have to also look at you know what a what a, a a swing and a miss Chicharito has been. Yeah, and you know, and despite having a a, a bit of a, a flash of a moment, which is funny because of course everyone's like he's back, and you're like, I mean, he did his job once. I joked, I joked for his first goal in MLS, which is not true. <laughs> it was his like first goal since July. It may, as but it well felt like everybody was treating like that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, LA Galaxy got uh, a point out of their game against Seattle. I, w- I mean, I've been really surprised. I thought C- Seattle um, really hit their stride and, and seemed to be doing so, so well. Have a, a pretty fit squad, not dealing with quite as many injuries as a lot of other teams. And they've just been really struggling. Um, early on, the Galaxy almost go up when Fry very uncharacteristic uncharacteristically spills it and it drops to LA and it's just this weird sort of I think it's headed off the crossbar and down but doesn't go in and just Seattle for the whole first half in this game for me just looked really really flat just no energy they're not they weren't pressing their usual way and what LA exploited was Seattle has had issues with defending and being caught on the counter and and them just kind of waiting their opportunity is Zubak caused a ton of problems for Seattle. They just couldn't seem to actually track him properly. Um, and then, uh, the man of the hour comes in and he's got this nice little <laughs> give and go with Pavon and beats his defenders. Um, and at 80 minutes in, it's one nil for the galaxy through Chicharito. And you're thinking like, is is it going to happen? Are they going to win a game now? Because Chicharito <laughs> is coming into form. Um, then Lodero has a, a little crack. He, I think his free kick comes off the crossbar and he's ever so close to tying it up. And then yeah. it's Morris to Rui Diaz with a minute left and he just splits the defenders. And for me, the defining image of LA Galaxy this season will be Felcher just aimlessly chasing behind Rui Diaz <laughs> as Rui, D- Rui Diaz scores. And it's just to, like as a center back to get to be behind Rui Diaz in the, you know, 90th minute in stoppage time. <laughs> it's just like, come on, man. I, it, it is Rui Diaz, so to be fair, um, but Seattle is able to get a, a point out of this game, which I thought was about as much life as they showed in this match. Um, not a ton of notif- notable performances, but also a very tired team. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see as the playoffs come where Seattle's going to end up because they've slipped a bit now in the standings due to some poor performances. Well, they had uh, they certainly got also lucky a little bit in terms of um, having uh, they they had a shot very early on hit the crossbar and, and bounced down in in sort of an England World Cup esque situation that may have yeah uh, they they could have definitely changed the tenor of the game. I'm a little less worried about Seattle because in you know this was a game where they they continued to fight and they got the result. You know they 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 lost to Colorado in a, in a weird game three one, 
but at the same time, they're, they weren't going to catch. Of course, you want to finish first in the conference, mm-hmm. but especially given, and I don't think that they are arresting anybody, so that is a little bit of a concern. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if you if you continue to hold that um, that home playoff spot, um, I think that it's. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to um, have a little bit of a of, of a stumble. You, of course, would love to. You would love to try and go in hot, but they're not losing anything out of this so long as they don't drop out of that uh, top four mm-hmm. in the conference. And I think that the one of the things that you're seeing in a lot of these games um, is that the players are the. The major attacking players are still combining for goals. Yeah. So, I still don't know exactly. Yeah. If Jordan Morris or Rui Diaz were out of form, then I'd, I'd have more concerns. But the... they don't seem cold to me. They just it's it's just tired legs and, and lack of organization, like you say. And still scoring, you know, every other game or every two games or so. So they're the strikers are in form. I think for me, it's. Where it's a little bit different is we're used to seeing Seattle dip here and there. Their notorious slow starts to the season, which they had a little bit less of this year. But they go through it. I I think for me it's um, teams have found more ways to unlock them, and their defense Uh just hasn't been as stalwart. I mean, we talked about the, the massive changeovers they've had in defense through a couple of MLS Cups. Um and that might be something that turnover may be the thing that is their undoing uh, still obviously a very strong side and i i favor them to go pretty far into the playoffs but th- they feel a little bit more vulnerable than they have in past years um that being said if if anyone can get a performance out of a team and turn things around it's brian schmetzer so what's the deal with roman torres now that they have him back do you think that that'll that'll sort of add to their starch and add to their, you know, return a little bit of continuity. He wasn't playing in that game. Yeah, I. it's hard to say. I feel like they brought him back again for a bit of continuity to, to try to shore things up and get some more consistency out of their back line and um, to, to press their starting center backs for minutes. But it, it hasn't really materialized yet. I haven't paid too much attention, so I don't know if it's a, a, a fitness issue or... Um, or what, but uh, I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> as somebody who can definitely come in and make an, a major impact, never say never. It's a great player to have on the bench um, to put in a, a playoff situation. But it, I'm, I'm kind of, that's a question mark for me too, is like, <laughs> what is the deal with Roman Torres? Is he, is he going to be a serious part of this campaign or is he there for, should they need him, he knows the system and he can slot in? The interesting results all in in the West, I think, have been around those um, those playoff spots and, and, and involving teams trying to make up the number or, or both the, the replay of games for the Earthquakes and also the Rapids trying to book their spot. Um, and and certainly the the first half of that for Colorado was achieved in that three one win over LA Galaxy. Yeah. Um. Or no, over Seattle, sorry. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was... It's interesting, like, 
fundamentally, like, Colorado is not, does not contain too many pieces beyond what I remember. They lost, like, they lost Kai Kamara. Um, and... I have a theory. But have, but have basically everybody that you, um, have everybody else that you remember them to have, but they're... Uh, everybody is is combining very well. Andre Shinyashiki looks great. He gets the first goal in this three one. Um, Keegan Rosenberry's uh, second goal here was also phenomenal. Um, yeah, was it ever? Just he hit that <laughs> ball like he hated it. Just one time, <laughs> just, I was like, "You filthy boy! Why?" That was uh, it. Was it certainly was something. Um. Just well, to, and, and just it comes off of another bad clearance from Seattle, and it's those kinds of mistakes um, that that I feel like are, are new. That it's it's Fry not getting clean hands to it, or it's defenders not properly clearing the ball that has been their undoing in in both of these games a little bit. The the it's like a high it's like a high bouncing ball comes out of of the box, and it just is landing right for him, and he has. So much room to be able to do it because so much uh, is is pushed up. Yeah, and then it's Cole Bassett who has the goal. What do you think? What do you think is um, is it is it a lack of tiredness at this point? Not not to not to do to to be too glib about this situation yeah. with him. And I mean, but... people have talked about that, and I guess maybe. I mean, certainly there's some players that are probably pretty well rested, but. As we know, like a breakaway, like getting out of the rhythm of games is definitely not necessarily working to your advantage right before the playoffs. Like I'm sure all Rapids players would have rather have played the games that they had to, um, or Mm. would have had to rather. Um, I see one big difference maker for them that's different than, ooh, I think it's different from last year. Um, It's Diego Rubio. Um, yeah, his ability because um, he did it. Uh, yeah, he, he did it to Seattle a number of times where he's just picking pockets from behind. Like he's just he's everywhere. They've got a, the strongest midfield I think they've had in like six or seven years, and you know, Benaze, Vines, Shinyashiki, um, Price, Rubio. All of these guys are connecting as well. I know Benazay is more of a forward than a midfielder. Um, but just, I, I think the connection piece, right? I mean, we talk about the lack of connection between the back line and the forwards and the white caps. And I think Colorado has struggled with a really similar thing. It's not that they don't have pace or ability to put the ball away or at times even defend. It's that in the middle of the park, they're, they've been pretty easy to run through. And that seems to have been... Um, shifted significantly and Rubio's ability to play deep as well as play in an attacking role that I mean that's where he had so much success with um, Sporting Kansas City in that role seems to have employed it really well at Colorado so I, I mean as a team I think they've played fantastically well but I see Rubio as being a really key piece of, of why they're suddenly like they look really good I think that makes a lot of sense, and I think that um, it has. I think that nobody, certainly, like after what they have been through, um, nobody is. Everybody is excited to see what they could maybe do now that they're in the playoffs, and and they have all like I think 
we also shouldn't let what has immediately happened to them um, distract us from the fact that this is, in an, in a sense, a return after some years of being pretty bad. Yeah. So I'm sure that Rapids fans are, um, that this is, even out of context, is uh, is a huge time for them. The, the only other thing in Rapid Land that I hated was this was this idea that there was a gentleman's agreement not to use Kai Kamara when uh, when Colorado had their return against Minnesota. Yeah, I hate that. Yeah. I I think it really is um is just silly and and is a a weird like form of um like it it feels like collusion because. You know, if you have a loan, you can't play against your your team. But part of the risk of, of sending somebody in in the same conference is the fact that you might have to play them later. Well, and also, like, isn't that kind of the point? Like, why <laughs> why why would you buy a a striker like Kai Kamara if you don't want to play him against his old club? Like, I I mean, here's the thing: it's stupid. But what's more stupid is whoever made that gentleman's agreement in the first place. Like if that, yes. I mean, if that was like the thing that was gonna be the deal breaker, then I suppose you just say, "All right, whatever, guys, we'll take the player and just not play him against you." But it's very weird in an already weird league with weird rules that seem to change all the time. To have like an off the books just gentleman's agreement seems kind of silly. Because I, part of me is like, if Colorado cared so much, why didn't they just keep him? <laughs> That's like, the thing that's that's the thing we don't want him, but we don't want anyone else to want him either. It made it made it felt really weird for Colorado to do at the time. It became more weird when we learned about the gentleman's agreement. And the thing that I, it's hard not to still feel a little weird about it when you see the team go on this run and think, man, what if they still had Kai Kamara? Yeah, they they have a, they have a lot of attacking players. They got Kellen Acosta. They've got. Nicholas Mosquito, they there there's no uh there's no uh, uh Acosta got the one nothing win and goal in, in Colorado's win against Portland that sealed it mm-hmm. um on the third. So or sorry, on the fourth. So there's no there's no shortage of attacking talent there. It's just it's a weird it's a weird gap in in, in every in my understanding yeah. of Colorado that happens when I, I, I see these games now. Absolutely. Um, the other, uh, the other game in the, in the, uh, LA, LA, Colorado, San Jose, um, constellation was this weird one with the earthquakes that took place that seemingly was, was rescheduled on the back of a paper napkin on, (laughs) on Tuesday for Wednesday in, in such a way that none of, none of the league's TV providers in Canada, seemed to have it. True. Um, and it was uh, it was quite the it was quite the interesting one for developments. I I think that would you kind of say that this is again a uh, an aspect of LAFC being tired and in in coming up against a team that the game means a little bit more to because of the the stakes involved. Yeah, I mean. Wh- two things I, I think we can acknowledge that the earthquakes play pretty well when their backs are to the wall and they're about to be eliminated um mm-hmm. they've got a, a history of being able to perform 
But yeah, LAFC is just depleted as well. I mean, they have a fantastic team, but Bob Bradley has had to really scrape around the edges of the jar this year for the depth on his team. And there's been a lot of consistent players and consistent performances, but also things have just really fallen off in terms of their defending. Um, their their intensity on and off the ball has certainly dropped, and that happens with tired legs, but it also happens when you've got a rotating squad. Um, I think Bob Bradley I, really likes his starting 11 and likes to get them into a rhythm and change very few pieces about that. I suppose I would also be... I, I mentioned it earlier, but it's you know they also must have been... What was the? I'm trying to find the full list of players that they were missing in advance here. And then they're they're um, missing K. I don't think Vela played in this game. They were missing Mark. They were. I don't know if these were all the undisclosed injury, which I guess would probably be K, which is an ankle injury, and then undisclosed injury. Andy Nahar, Mahalo Opoku, Pablo Cisniega, Mohamed El Manir, and Adrian Perez. So they were missing. The, in addition to K's existing injury they were missing five other players <laughs> yeah. and, um, and they did have a number of first team players here i mean i think that the true. injury thing is like obviously the missing mark anthony k is a big piece but defensively they've not been consistent this year and and that just came to to bite them again um Although in the early goings of this game, LAFC actually goes up first um, through Latif Blessing, who like just right. quietly is still like just so good at LAFC. And it seems like every once in a while people are like, yeah, I guess he's pretty good. And then just forget about it. And the whole time he's getting assists, he's winning important tackles, he's getting goals. Um, and it it's just, for me, the like... It feels it, the beginning of the game feels like it's going to be a typical San Jose match where it's just <laughs> a failure to mark and a little bit of chaos, and you're like, "Well, okay." They give up that blessing goal, then they give up an own goal like five minutes later. That's yeah, nice. yeah, it's a it's like a weird low bouncing corner that comes off of Atuesta's like back leg, I think, um, and goes in, and then like. I don't know how many times I'm going to get to say this while we do the show, but I'm pretty sure this is the 900th time. Chris Wondolowski unmarked at the far post. And <laughs> I don't know how to help you anymore, LAFC slash every other defender in MLS. Like, holy hell. Just, I mean, all credit to the GOAT, but come on. I mean, he makes no mistake on it, but 37 minutes in, it's 2-1 for San Jose. Um. Then they have Jackson Ewell sent off for a, a, a second yellow on a a challenge where he comes in with his studs up, which it, for me looks like a, a maybe more of the follow through, and he wins the ball. But it's probably yeah. a yellow card, and it's definitely the second, so he's sent off. And you think like, okay, this is LAFC's shot to get back in and and steal at least a point. And then um, Shea Salinas just has this amazing crossfield uh, ball to Christian Espinoza, who takes uh, a little touch to steady it and buries it underneath like Vermeer's arm. Um, Vermeer seems to struggle with those those low hard shots. I've noticed a lot of forwards beginning to take those and have some success. He's not quite as quick and uh, collapsing down. Um, and then late in stoppage time, Diego Rossi gets one back, but. Uh, stunning performance from san jose and uh you know a well-deserved yeah. win 
Yeah, they, after after the the own goal equalized, it was it was definitely that Wanda. Let, I feel like the Wando goal is like, all right, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's head into halftime. Um, and it was it was certainly a lot to see them um, continue to push after they got that red. Yeah, it's. Uh, do you think after after some of these games that? Uh, where where San Jose got really blown out, and now they have uh, they've they've punched their ticket into the playoffs. Um, do you think that they're going to be able to sort of correct the record in a sense, um, or is this going to be for for both them and the Rapids playing the 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 top seeds in the West? Is this mm-hmm. going to be a uh, uh, a a brief appearance? <laughs> Jump the cynical answer. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's San Jose Earthquakes, and I'm never going to put any money against them because Lord knows they find ways to win games. Um, have they suddenly gotten a lot better as a team? Yeah, not really. Um, I I do think they've ultimately been playing better, and they've been playing to their strength, which is their attacking speed and their ability to just pepper the goal with shots. Like, clearly, we know San Jose is not afraid of t- having a go at net. Um, defensively, all the same problems are still there, uh, and and they seem to be winning games by just outscoring opponents and not really caring wh- how many they concede. <laughs> so I do think it's going to be a short-lived playoff um, experience for them. And I still think, you know, they got one or two playoff wins in them, and that will also keep things exciting and competitive. So for me, you know, I know San Jose is going to go for it, but I think for a lot of other teams, they're going to still be considered the spoilers. You know, they're not going to come in and win the tournament, but they're definitely going to knock off probably at least one Western Conference opponent. And, uh, you know, they, they look at this point, like when you look at the way Seattle and Portland have been playing, if they somehow end up meeting early on, I'd be a little bit nervous as a Seattle fan. Um, San Jose can hurt you and they can hurt you on the counter. And we, that's where Seattle struggled. Portland has been really inconsistent. They've been really, really good at times. And then just, uh, you know, they got beaten by Colorado. Um, they, they did beat the Whitecaps, but they've just been, very up and down um overall quite good but again beatable um that's an interesting point and and certainly in terms of format like we still don't know what teams are going to get as a break but anything can happen man um the two other teams in the west that have had an interesting um track as of late are dallas and nashville dallas um, pasted Houston in the uh, in the their long rivalry. I'm trying to remember the name of their the. I'm trying to remember the name of the cannon. It's the name of the cannon uh, that they play for. Um, they uh, uh, Dallas beat up Houston three uh, three one with two goals from Fafa Pico, including the last one seemed like just a uh, just a, a a vehicle a starring film. Mm-hmm. To, to show off his uh, his traits. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, Nashville uh, drew Chicago one one, um, and then went on to lose 
one nothing to Dallas in what felt like a very uh, a, a very tight but also a very energetic match heading into um, playoff time. Yeah, and and I thought it was good. I mean, this is their fourth meeting in <laughs> a very short period of time, so uh, you know Dallas was fourth time lucky in it and able to to come away with the result. Um, it's it, it's a great win for them. I personally don't think it should have been a win. I I think Hollings had. They, they check it for offside. I don't know how it's not. There may be some magical angle, but um, from every available angle that I saw in the replay, I really thought that this goal should have been chalked off, and who knows what would have happened. Um, I, I thought Joe Willis overall has just been an absolute beast for Nashville. I mean, he's had some, some rocky seasons with some <laughs> questionable defending in front of him, but with Nashville, he seems really, really comfortable I think he he kept them what in this one. I thought I thought um, Dallas had probably more uh, clear cut opportunities, and, and the, through all the second half, I mean Nashville's just throwing everything at them, and I think that speaks to some of the energy that you're talking about in this match. So it was a good a good scrap. Um, it's a good win for Dallas, but a, a pretty controversial one, I think. It's interesting that that, that you mentioned that about Willis because. Um, even though Nashville gets a loss here, yeah, my impression is that I'm uh, I'm impressed with the defense. Yeah, and, and I mean, part of that I would say is that the defenders have the right position, and Hollingshead was offside. So <laughs> yeah, he beat them, but he beat them because he was offside. So I'm gonna, you know, I'll, I'll give Zimmerman and the the rest a break on on that one because it probably shouldn't have been a goal, but I don't think. I mean, Nashville will be aggrieved about it, I'm sure, but they've put themselves in a good standing because of their defensive record. So um, a, a big result for Dallas and um, frustrating for Nashville, I'm sure, but not something that they're going to lose a ton of sleep over, I don't think. After equalizing to get that point against um, against Nashville, Chicago then went on to play Minnesota. <laughs> Your uh, your thoughts on that uh, on that on that clash? I just want to tell you a little story about Chicago Fireside with big dreams moving to the city. <laughs> just can't hold on to three points to save their lives. It just bums me out, man. Like I just, uh... I just want the Chicago Fire to be good, and it looks like for a little shi- brief shining moment in this game, a good fifty minutes, you're like, hey fires back they're gonna do it crucial points on the line here we go all right um a ton of pressure from minnesota early on um shuttleworth has been i I think really great for chicago he's fitting well there um and then there's just a a really well-worked ball a totally free header header barrick gets chicago up one nothing um, then more chaotic defending from Minnesota. We've seen plenty of that this season. And then Minnesota's up, or sorry, uh, Fire is up 2-0. Um, there's... That's it, right? We, yeah, we can, that's, we and can... that's the end of the game. Three <laughs> points for Chicago. <laughs> Nothing else happened. If only... Um, Kamara gets on the end of a nice pass. He crosses to Finley, but it's saved. Um, but Minnesota is sort of showing the um, 
showing signs of life, and then some sloppy clearances, ball falls to Pineda, all of a sudden, it's 2-1. Mm-hmm. Or wait. Oh, wait. Uh, that was, that was Sorry, the Chicago 2-0 that, goal. Nothing. Sorry, my, yes. I, I forgot. I, I should have made clearer notes, but the... Um, yeah. This was a this was a free kick. This is a uh, a, a free kick where kind of the the leading edge of the uh, of, of the there was like a, there's a there's a sweeping blade of all of the players, and on the leading edge of that blade was Jose Aja, who uh, who rose to to I believe headed home. I totally um, forgot he played for the Whitecaps too. <laughs> really? I was like, where do I know him from? And then I was like, oh yeah, he played for Orlando. And then I looked him up and I was like, oh yeah. And then he played for Vancouver. The, uh, the, the, the Whitecaps alumni, um, success rate is strong. Minnesota <laughs> continues. Uh, but yes, aha, I'm trying to find out what the, uh, who that was from. Uh, who sent that? Who gave that to you? Yeah, I forget. Um, but yeah, you're right. I think he just happened to be the last player in the box um, as that ball was, swept across. It was Reynoso with the free kick and, and Aja uh, with a right-footed shot. Yeah, Reynoso's um, been is, great this season. Is the first one to get to it and, and gets Minnesota on the board. And then it is sort of almost a – it's not a set piece, but it's in a similar situation – uh, Metaniere near the um, near the sideline is able to send it in and find Robin Load in uh, in great position to head home. Yeah, wide open. He has so much. Like I think that Metaniere's ball is great because he finds him. Uh, like it, it feels like it's uh, laser targeted to Load's head. Serious but question. But also, do you think that Chicago defenders count? towards um the stadium capacity in terms of spectators <laughs> sorry, sorry had to well they do they do stand six feet apart <laughs> <laughs> wow wow <laughs> that was good that was good uh, uh chicago does get a late goal in this one but it's called offside because it's offside and it ends 2-2 and chicago just uh, and it's weird because it's not even just Chicago's defense. It's just like as a team defensively, their entire shape, it just drops. And, and another thing I'm tired of saying is it feels like Chicago has 50 or 60 minutes of good soccer in them, and that's it. And once it's done, it's just like everyone is like, all right, now just stop. And I'm pretty sure the game is going to be just like over soon. So just chill, do whatever you need to do. Bathroom break, like grab a snack. We're just going to hang out for – oh. Oh, oh. What just happened? <laughs> uh, they really could have, I think, put themselves... You know, if you look at those two um, those two games, obviously they're playing great teams in the Western Conference. But if you look at the Eastern Conference playoff scenario, we'll get to the, to the permutations. But six points kind of put them in a much more pleasant situation they could be sitting on 28 Mm -hmm. i don't know for sure i i I, yeah that would now they're in this this weird five team five team dog pile on 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 two on two remaining spots you know uh atlanta having that two nothing win over cincinnati i believe yeah 
Um, so they're, you know, coming in hot. Um, they certainly are putting themselves in a challenging situation by having done this. Yeah, I mean, I still think there's a, a way that they can they can do it. I mean, they don't need a lot to stay in, and certainly it depends on uh, Atlanta's next game, and I'm not sure who that's against. But there's very little in here that, for me, really justifies uh, a strong spot in the playoffs for Chicago. I mean, if they make it in, more power to them, I suppose. But they they still just... Uh, a very leaky team. It's good to see they've found a way to score goals. Um, but defensively, I don't feel like any of the issues from last season or the season before, the season before that, any of that has been really like systemically corrected. I think they've gotten some better defenders, but just in terms of the way the team is set up, um, I'm still not very impressed with it. Atlanta is playing... Uh, Atlanta is playing Columbus who is contending for the final home play or the final uh seeded quarterfinal spot against New York City who is playing Chicago. Ooh, that's exciting. So, and so and I mean to... and who knows cuz um Columbus I I thought still a, a very strong team and although their form has has dipped a little bit has this Strange game against Orlando um, that ends up going the way of Orlando. Um, that was an inter- that was a really interesting one. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, think that we we should maybe just start with the thing that 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 gets it on Nani's on everybody's radars. Yes, absolutely. Is <laughs> what is the only is the only thing of note. That's the talk uh, to take place there. What happened with that red card to Nani? It, it was initially a yellow. Everybody's talking about how it made no sense that it was a yellow. And then it was like the commentators, if you listen to them, are already saying this is an inexperienced referee who doesn't know what he's doing on the yellow. And then it's upgraded somehow to this idea that it, it's uh, I don't know. It's a red because what? Because I guess so... Nani, Nani comes in for the ball, and it kind of looks like he catches the defender at first, but still gets the ball. Like it's mistimed, but he still gets his foot on the, but he still gets his like leg on the ball. So near as I can tell, um, I felt pretty aggrieved by this right away. Watched the replay, same thing. I was just like, this is just not. Not a red. I mean, Nani is like walking off the pitch in tears. He's just so upset by the call. Um, and then Andrew Weeby posted a thing this afternoon where he talks about the going in straight-legged studs up into the ankle of a player. I think he wins the ball first, but I think the argument is it's dangerous play, and uh... that's how they're determining it. I, I mean... I guess I still think it's harsh and maybe ultimately it's a little bit closer than I initially thought where it looks after watching it one or two reviews. But I still, if this, if Nani had come like charging in, like running at full tilt and made the same challenge, I'd get it a little bit more, but he's not coming in at speed, which I know, I don't know if velocity factors into the decision making. <laughs> but there, there's no intent behind this. Um, it's 
it's maybe a bit of a dangerous play, but that's where I kind of went, okay, I'm fine with a yellow card, even though he wins the ball. But the clear and obvious error that it's a red, for me, is where the mistake is made. Um, mm-hmm. I think a yellow is fine in this case, but to, to jump to a red, it it feels like this was one that could potentially be rescinded, but... Um, depending on how the the rules are written around going in straight legs and studs up on our tour could could mean this one stands, which means that he's out for uh, Orlando's decision day match. However, <laughs> was that our tour awful? Is our tour? It's awful. Uh. Who almost immediately uh, ties <laughs> things up? I mean, we should note first of all, Chris Mueller has scored before any of this happens with a, a fantastic goal. Um, continues to be very important player for Orlando. And then almost right after this red card, uh, Afful ties it up for Columbus. And it's, and it awful, awful. It was a giveaway from him to Pereira that sets up Mueller for that chance. So there's this thought of, of almost being his payback. I did think that awful was involved in the Nani situation, which maybe I was wrong about, but I was just thinking, man, he is just the central protagonist of this game. <laughs> I mean, he, he, he was doing things. Now, it was, it was a, a tackle on our tour. I think they might have said it was awful at first, but... Mm-hmm. Um, um, but yeah, it was a, it was a great uh, strike from him to, to erase any guilt he might have had. Yeah. Firing it from the top of the box with his left. Um, and eventually the... the I think that... I, I'm not any... Um, I'm not cooling down on Columbus, but it was just a, it was just a great because I think that they they, um, they fought pretty good in this match. But it's Benji Michel in the 84th minute who is able to sort of get the result and <laughs> and solidify the the quarterfinal. Place. And by sort of get the result, you mean beat three defenders and then nutmeg the keeper. <laughs> Come on, I thought you were more of a Benji Michel hype man than that. That's true. That's true. That's true. I, I got to give it the respect it deserves. So good. A, a huge, huge win for Orlando. And I mean, I, I saw a lot of Columbus fans just talking about how the, their team looked quite flat here again and, and not really like they, they wanted it and maybe had underestimated Orlando. I, I think maybe that's a bit harsh. I, I feel like Columbus was in this one and they had their opportunities, but... Orlando looks like they are pissed that they lost the MLS's back tournament and they're looking to rectify that situation. And I know lots of people have been talking about Orlando, but I'm like, man, if there's a team that can come into the playoffs and really cause problems and go potentially go the distance in a weird year, it's Orlando. I know we said that in MLS's back as well, but they just look for me right now like and it doesn't always pan out, but they look like the team that most wants to win this thing. It makes it an interesting situation, right? I mean, this is what um, is so valuable for them having made it to that final is to say, you know, we we deserve to be considered as one of sort of the top teams and and, uh, and we can really make an impact. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I think I'm... Uh, the... Uh, some of the other teams in that top mix. I don't know what is happening with the supporter shield race after that five nothing. Philadelphia, uh, Philadelphia lights up Toronto for five. Mm-hmm. 
I put it on at work, but all I could all or I put it on in the background while I was trying to work, but it was just like all I could think or it was just like, ah, they scored again. Ah, they scored again. Ah. Yeah. They scored again. The, I call it the Brendan Aronson farewell tour. <laughs> like, let's send the kid out in style. Yeah, it was, and then that on was Hall- a shocker. And then on Halloween they get uh uh they get chomped by Columbus. Um in the same match day, I think, as uh, as Toronto gets their win over Miami. So now they're tied on points up there at the top of the standings. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's getting mighty close and keeping things, in, keeping things interesting in the East. Um, yeah, those Columbus and Philadelphia just seem to be almost like circling each other. I think that that's going to be a really interesting playoff matchup should it happen, which I expect it will, given how both teams are doing. I thought that, uh, uh, you know, I, I uh, take a lot of interest in New York City versus New York Red Bulls games. This was uh, the one, that the 5-2 result for City uh, playing out of Yankee Stadium. Um, was very intriguing to me, uh, even though I think... It's almost odd to me to think that they're only separated by three spaces on the table because I think that City has been having a much better year. Um, and they certainly had the better performance here. But I think that um, this... You uh, you look at some of the, the players like Alex Ring, yeah. uh, who gets, I think, that first... He's the one... I, get, he, I think he gets the 3-2... Three, the three, Goal. I'm right. trying to find my. Yes. Yeah. With, you have uh, you. Which he you have beat, he gets, opens he's up. able to ch- get it over. Nope. I'm thinking of uh, someone else's goal. <laughs> you have Castellanos opens up, and the New York Red Bulls Brian White uh, walks onto a ball ball outside of the box that is sprung loose and just rips it home. Tremendous, uh, tremendous shot, and uh, Casser is is pings in the rebound um, to put. New York in that two one position, then Gary McKay Stevens get up, gets it uh, ahead with the run, and it's Ring who takes this great shot from the top of the box. Okay, yeah, it is Ring's goal that goes like over the keeper's hand and then dips under the bar, right? I think yeah. yes. Ridiculous, very filthy. I love it. Castellanos uh, gets the scores again. and gets the hat trick on a penalty kick. Um, New York City looking uh, great. Don't sleep on New York City. We'll be playing. Uh, we'll almost certainly be playing in Yankee Stadium again, um, before the time, yeah, or before the playoffs, or, or once the playoffs get uh, cooking. I loved because I love. Uh, I'm a messy bee that loves drama. Goals, 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 goals. <laughs> and New England Revolution <laughs> versus DC United had a lot of things happening. So good. It was raining. It was, there were goals aplenty. Not a lot of defending, uh, but a lot of everything else. DC are, DC are water type and get plus three to all uh, <laughs> attempts in in water, I think. Because that, uh, that they, they, they've shown with the, the passing play and strike from Assad to open that they're top class. Um, I think that the goal, the, the own goal that New England commits is kind of avoidable. Mm-hmm. Um, to put DC up two nothing, and then you're thinking, you know, DC's been in a tough spot, but you're thinking, ah, oh, hey, this is a 
this is a, this is a, a nice little result for them. Um, but then Canos just screws the pooch at the other end for a penalty. Now, here's the thing. This I love is that again, our my... end of season commentary just gets so, like very, very uh, just <laughs> or off a, away from the tactics and just down to screw the pooch. Just screws the pooch. Um, I we we have a again my personal pet peeve of a penalty that goes off the bar. And then uh, a penalty that goes off the bar and books it gets the rebound. Yeah, I don't know exactly when you would whistle, like like what kind of rule you would set. Because we talked about this, like what what would be my preferred rule? But you know, it's just a frustrating situation mm-hmm. that it, uh, uh, what I think was an overthought penalty from Carlos Hill um, goes off the post and gets the re- goes for the rebound. Uh, Yao drops level. Uh, and then it's Teal Bunbury who hits his first of two yeah. to uh, to get New England the four three win. Teal and Bunbury's world, we're just living in it. So good. With a uh, with a, there's another DC goal in there too. So so we go we go two nothing, we go two nothing two two three two three three four three in the rain. As it should be. Looks dangerous. New England looks dangerous. Yeah, and uh, at a crucial time as well. I mean, that Eastern Conference for me is is going to really be the exciting one to watch. I, I mean, I guess really when you think about it, both conferences are, are tight with a lot of movement. I feel like the Eastern Conference, the top teams have definitely separate themsel- separated themselves from the pack a little bit and seem to be more in form than the teams that are lower down in those playoff spots but it's uh it's wide open and wild you have uh you have the four teams the four teams that dc somehow is still in it the four teams that could could the, the five teams that could qualify for two spots are montreal chicago montreal on 23 points chicago on 23 points atlanta on 22 or i guess we're going points per game but all these teams have played the same amount of games so 1.05, 1.05 for Montreal and Chicago. Atlanta has a point per game, and Miami and DC have. I think it's only five point per game. I think it's only points per game in the West because that's the tiebreaker. Does that make sense? Uh, well, I have no idea anymore. But but we may again. It'll be the same. We all are. We're we're looking theoretically at this point at teams that are all going to finish at the same yeah level on games played. So you could just say twenty three. Montreal and Chicago in the in the two playoff spots at twenty three points. Atlanta on twenty two, Miami and DC uh, on the bus at twenty one points. Um, so you have I I got the permutations in here. Uh, Montreal win if they win DC United Darien. If Chicago win versus New York City Darien, it is Atlanta in Miami that have a, a more complex series of paths to the, uh, uh, to the playoff position. And of course it's DC. It's both Miami and DC that, that rely on three pronged situations like Miami, yeah. Miami win versus Cincinnati and Montreal loser tie and Chicago loser tie or, you know, DC win and Chicago loser tie and Atlanta loser tie. So, um, 
lots to uh, lots to look at for those teams as uh, as the playoffs approach. Absolutely, as decisions day as decision day approaches. Yeah, and uh, one of the things it means is that our beloved Whitecaps are officially out, 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 out. It's done. It's over. It's done. It's over. Um, they had a. I I quite liked their win against the two one win against San Jose. Had uh, had hope to it. Um, yeah. And you know, every time you see the Saint Ricketts score a goal, you think, man, we could be, we could, we could be doing something here. Um, but then those two, the two nothing lost Seattle and the the one nothing lost to Portland are, are games where, um, compared to truly dismal games earlier in this season, I mean the effort is there is effort, yep, but it just kind of feels like you know I I responded to this or you know I saw this um, this interview where Mark Dos Santos says. Um, we, we think that we pushed a little bit more or, or I'm proud of the way we were able to push after that goal in Portland, similar to the Seattle situation. It really felt that adjustments weren't made adjustments that need to be made weren't made until the goal was done. At which point the, the horses are out of the barn. And if there's a big yeah. issue for the white cap season this year, it's that, the pace that the Whitecaps were taking at the time that Marco Santos says they were able to push and put the pressure on after the goal is like a normal, a normal amount of effort. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what they were playing with at that point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think definitely that the tactics, the the being very reticent to switch things up when you feel the game is changing, um. I think has hurt them a little bit. I respect Mark DeSantis's faith in his forwards. He he wants to keep Cavallini and Montero on the pitch together as long as he can in a match. And I, I understand. <laughs> I disagree. I think that if after 70 minutes, nothing has happened for them, um, that by the 74th minute, you need to be readying those subs. But to... I mean, we know Theo Bear can be an impact player, but giving him three or four minutes to do the job, I don't feel like is is really a fair shake and is asking an awful lot of the kids. So that's an issue, but Seattle and Portland highlighted it for me is just that those two teams are across the board in every single position much better than we are. Um, and it's going to... you Even if we get this Whitecap system right... I still don't feel like we have the full roster to to make it work to push us past mid-table. And we're going to continue to struggle at the bottom with just, you know, conceding goals through mistakes, but also, you know, not having the personnel to really put as much pressure as we need on a team. And that being said, I thought Vancouver played pretty well in both of these games, which for me was almost more depressing. I mean, it's great overall to say... I, I can't blame the players for not caring or not trying. Um, it's that we still weren't good enough. That the, the Whitecaps pressing, the Whitecaps being organized, still teams found a way to beat us, and I think that's going to continue to be the case without some significant personnel changes. You're talking to me not immediately after a game and, and, and not when I'm in the middle of a malaise, and i got to admit a little bit when I'm, when I'm not in those situations... And when I'm trying to keep my chill soccer 
motto in place. Yeah. I am a little bit more in the in the mood to say, you know, that we should think of this season a little bit as water of the bridge because of the things you mentioned, because of recruitment issues, because of like so much not lining up at the t- at the times that you would have wanted to. Um, I don't know if what you what you think in terms of what they could have uh, got in in terms of, te- of of recruitment that would be better. The the Whitecaps player awards came out and Ranko Veselinovich was given um, most promising player award. And sure. I kind of think that I that that is a that is a that speaks to a broad issue with the Whitecaps defense and recruitment because. I don't. I don't hate what he's brought this season. I don't think he has been outright terrible. Um, I think that if you asked me before his loan became permanent, if we should uh, automatically became permanent, permanent, if we should extend him, I think he right now is replacement level. He's twenty one. He could get better, but I mean. I think that one of the reasons why he's received so much time in that spot is because we don't have anyone. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, I mean, he's the Whitecaps love their athletic center backs. Um, that seems to be the trend even, you know, in Robbo's time as well. But uh-huh. I know a lot of people were upset that Veselinovich is starting over Cornelius. I, I feel like they're pretty comparable. Um, they both bring different strengths, but... I don't think swapping in Cornelius makes us watertight and, you know, vice versa. Um, you get, I, I think, a little bit more... You'd get more positional awareness from Cornelius, um, but I think he's more susceptible to mistakes. And Visalinovich, you know, tactically is great, but p- positionally tends to get caught out and just be in the wrong places. So, like, I'm fine with him being extended. I'm fine with him starting. Um and sure, I think he's a promising young player. For me, it's the Whitecaps haven't had the ability to turn those players into the final product um, for the most part. And that's the part that makes me feel a little bit <laughs> cautiously optimistic and maybe bordering on pessimistic about young center backs that the Whitecaps have signed is that we don't usually keep them for all that long. So to have a promising young center back is great if they're great. Um, and I think Veselinovich is okay, but I would also argue you could probably find a 30 year old center back within MLS for 70 grand a year that could do a better job. So sure. Uh, <laughs> you know, okay. I'll, I'll come along on this ride, but um, I, I don't necessarily think he's going to be a player that, is a starting center back and a key piece of our defense in two or three years time. That makes sense. I, I, it's been a really frustrating situ- uh, season for the Whitecaps, but there have been exciting moments. There have been moments of joy. Um, I'm, for with you and all Whitecaps fans, I'm, I'm happy to have gone on the ride so far. Give us one more happy moment against the galaxy Whitecaps. And and we could uh, still be friends. We can cl- <laughs> close this season off in one of the bins that holds the Couch Ultras uh, uh, Tifos and push it into the river. Yeah, and uh, and 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 be done with it. 
Just give me one. Just give me one more fun night and not a draw. No, no. Let's finish off a season this no with draw no season. draws. <laughs> ah, could it? Could it be? <laughs> oh, watch it'll be nil nil. No, no. Don't put that energy out in the world. Well, um, elsewhere. Mm-hmm. What were you gonna say? No, oh, I thought that was it. We got more. What's coming? What's next? Um, just around the other other bits of news that we may not have gotten at this point. Um, uh, we got pretty much everything except uh, coach manager Follies. Um, DC United had an informal conversation with former U.S. Women's National Team coach Jill Ellis. Mm-hmm. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Uh, I would love that. I think that it would be a really interesting hire. And I, as a, I think that that so many people who uh, who follow women's soccer are just and and we've talked about the the strange relationship that fans and journalists have with with the persona of Jill Ellis. To incorporate that into the MLS world would be so fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, L.A. Uh, who has Dom Kinnear as as the assist the um, the interim coach? Uh, of course, has some coaching chops of his own. Um, but uh, they're looking at some other folks. I don't mind the idea of getting new coaching blood in, as opposed to to turning to more uh, to to having a, a, a coaching carousel. Yeah. Um, but it'll be interesting to see who they go to. They're apparently talking to Robbie Keane. The former Tottenham striker, who uh, who played for them as their, and their former player as well as a as a manager. I don't know if, what his deal is in terms of if he has any extra experience um, defending. Not really. <laughs> uh, everybody's gonna have a picture perfect cartwheel by the time that uh, the, the, the goal the celebrations are going to be fantastic. <laughs> um. And uh, Canada, the women's national team, has uh, made a hire in their position. That's right. Uh, with Bev Priestman, is, uh, is who was an assistant with Canada until 2018 um, and moved to England, will return uh, to take the uh, the full-time role. Uh, the first woman to be in the role since Carolina Marache. Uh, and I think that in 2018, the feeling when she left the program to... Um, to go to to be a part of the England setup, mm-hmm. that was that Canada was losing what had been an important piece of some of its previous runs, including the Rio run, mm-hmm. uh, Rio Olympic run. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the players have familiarity with her, and I think that it'll be uh, a really interesting fit and in where the future of of where that could go uh, is 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 very promising with Priestman in there. I think that that'll be a, that'll, that'll be a, uh, an exciting situation yeah. in the I early agree. term. Absolutely. Especially as they, uh, they, they gear up to, to take another, sw- to uh, take another Olympic swing next year in Tokyo. Uh, should all things go, um, in a, in a, in a hopeful manner. That's right. The, I think that's it. I think that's all I got. Are you checking the news? 
<laughs> just one more just one, one more, more final Jack vote count i don't think anything shifted since we started i i think i'm hearing i'm hearing that ben olsen has been elected to the senate in dc no i'm just joking, I'm just joking. until next week and until we all find more about the uh the the fate United of States the election. known world where uh where can we find you online you can find me online on Twitter and Instagram at That's So MLS. You can find this podcast at That's So MLS.com, on Apple Podcasts, wherever else you get your podcasts. Where can we find you? You can find me online at Team Bates on Twitter, www.team-bates.com. That's right. Please also rate, review, and subscribe our podcast because it helps yeah. other people find our podcast. I know you like it already. You're here. We've got you but we want your friends too. And I and, and I'm happy for you. Thank you so much again for uh for tuning in and talking soccer with us. Absolutely. And until next time. Just don't do anything because you're going to get a red card and then you're going to have to appeal it and nobody's got the time. It's a stressful situation. Just try just try to stay away from tackles apparently. Don't get sent off and then tearfully uh appeal. Nice. Nailed it. Great. I won't stop recording. That's a new problem. <laughs>